Let's uh, begin with prayer here. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you. And Lord, uh, this morning as we join as your people, Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. Lord, you would reveal to us the heart that you have for us in the midst uh, of the messy parts of our lives and of this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Andrew, one of the pastors here. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, And for those of you that keep track of when I wear sweater vests, make a note. (laughs) You know who you are, and there's more than one person out there. All right. I I start with a joke because today I I don't get to talk about grief. Rather, I feel called to talk about grief. And um, we live in a culture that that often doesn't doesn't do a very good job walking in grief. our culture, we, we try to rush things. It's not convenient to sit and, and sort of uh, leave our feet dangling in the pools of pain. Uh, our, our culture undervalues patience in grief. Uh, we view showing mourning as weakness often. And we tend to push our grief inside so that nobody sees it and so that we don't inconvenience anyone else maybe. We're trying to protect people from feeling the pain that we feel. I think that's a normal thing for us to do. But we don't want to inconvenience somebody with having to care about what we're going through. We don't want to be vulnerable in that way. Or we think that they may not care to walk alongside of us in grief. And there's many different ways that we can grieve. I think what I'm kind of talking about today is is the grieving of loss. And that can look like many different things. It can be the loss of a loved one. That's probably the most common way that we talk about grief. Uh, But it could be the loss of a dream, the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, uh, maybe the loss of a marriage. There's so many different things that cause us to stop, to be sad, uh, to wonder why. And grieving in our churches is often safer, but not always safe. Even as a church, we don't always do a good job of making it a good place to really figure out what God is doing in the midst of the trouble. But we tend to talk about things like hope and joy and freedom a lot in church too. So if you're not feeling those things on any given Sunday, you might say, huh, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel as joyful as the person next to me? Why don't I feel happy? I've got stuff going on that just prohibits me from feeling that way today. Thank you. Sometimes we think that there might be something broken in us if we feel depressed. Or if we wonder why God isn't providing us with the same sort of uplifting encouragement that he is the person sitting next to us in the pew on a Sunday morning. I've had my own problems with grief, and I don't want to say I'm an expert. I don't think anyone who's honest can say that you're an expert in grief. Um, it means that you're not feeling anymore, because uh, grief is something, especially with loss, is something that hurts differently every time you go through it. But just a little vulnerability, I am wired in a way to avoid pain. I've done a lot of different uh, personality and temperament assessments through my time in seminary and recently, and um, it turns out I'm the guy that just, just wants to go numb. I don't want to feel the pain that I'm supposed to feel. I don't want to feel the pain that you're feeling. Uh, I try to, don't get me wrong. Being a pastor has has made me grow and stretch in that area. But that's what I tend to do. I tend to check out emotionally if if I'm not careful. And it's the same way when my kids or my wife are experiencing pain. I tend to uh, go really quiet and go silent and just keep my hands busy around the house so that I don't have to feel it. Um, Or so I try to do something that I can control, right? We've all probably been there at some point. When we're hurting, we often try to do something that we can control so that the the, the pain that we can't control doesn't take the front seat in our minds. But emotionally checking out for me, that's what I I am prone to do, is not okay. 
It's one of the bigger challenges that I face in my own personal faith and my own walk with God. It's one of the bigger challenges that I face as I learn to pastor well um, and to be a spiritual leader for people. And as the times have come in my life where I've experienced tremendous grief, I, I've just been clueless on how to grieve. Uh, in 2004, my uncle, my godfather, committed suicide. That was a time of tremendous grief. He was a believer. I wondered why. Why would a believer do this? Uh, when the floods came in 2008 in northeast Iowa, we lost our house. And my parents, my childhood home, also went down in that flood. Uh, in that circumstance, what did I do? I spent endless hours at my house, gutting it, you know, even though we couldn't rebuild it, throwing stuff out on the curb. I tried to keep my hands busy. When my mom passed away from cancer in 2009, unexpectedly, I, I didn't know how to grieve. When my dad died of a heart um, problem in 2013, I didn't know how to grieve. And all that I could do in any of these circumstances was cry out to God. And fortunately, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that we, when we're, when we're faced with these tremendous, tremendously painful times in life, we can cry out to God. And it's a good thing we see it modeled in scriptures. We saw it with our lamentation scripture and our psalm scripture this morning. We see it in the book of Job frequently. It's all throughout scriptures. Our ability to cry out to the Lord in a time of distress and of grief is a very good thing. It's also worth saying that regardless of what I would have known on how to grieve healthy, in any of those times in my life, it probably wouldn't have meant anything because the pain would be too real. It's always going to be messy. It doesn't matter what sort of philosophy you have about dealing with grief, the pain is still going to be real when the pain comes. Okay? No intellectual philosophy can save us from feeling the pain of loss. But that's also okay. And I'll tell you why. So our first scripture this morning was from Lamentations. And if you read the book of Lamentations, it's, it's kind of a downer. I get it. Um, but it's a blessing that that is included in our scriptures. Because the entire story of Israel in the Old Testament has some ups, but there's a lot of downs. There's a lot of times where they're living in their brokenness and in their sin. And in the New Testament, in the early church, there's a lot of times where they're struggling. And all of the letters that Paul writes to these other churches is because of the struggle. It's because of the grief. It's because they're trying to figure out how to live in the kingdom of God, even though we're still stuck in the kingdom of sin and brokenness. So in Lamentations, uh, the author here is, this, is writing this true lament of grief. He says things like, I'm deprived of peace. My splendor is gone. Words like affliction, wandering, bitterness. We've all felt those things, I'm sure. We can all relate to those things. And then partway through the scripture, the tone changes. He says, yet this. A couple weeks ago, we talked about, but God. We are dead in our sins, but God. We, we have struggles in life, but God. The but God is a very important part of our struggle with grief. So picking up in verse 22 here, in Lamentations 3.22, it says this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The author of this lamentations, of this lament, reminds himself of hope. Talking to yourself can be healthy. It can. 
reminding yourself of God's promises. We are able to speak life into ourselves sometimes because we know some of these promises to be true. Now, it's not easy to to be in the midst of our suffering and think that way. It's not easy, but it's healthy. And as we talk about how to grieve in a healthy way, we want to remember that. In the midst of our pain, we will not always remember God's promises to us, but it sure helps us when we do, doesn't it? And we'll talk a little bit more about it later on, but being in a community, a local church that reminds us of God's promises and God's hope and God's truth and God's love in the midst of the storm is a very good thing. These promises are often what sustain us through the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of you have been there, and I've been there, and I have no explanation for how I've come out on the other side of my grief than through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because like I said, all I could do was cry out to God. We've lived through grief, but we have these promises as a beacon of hope. And our psalm passage today is similar. There's a lot of the same language, and the psalmist is, is thanking the Lord in this psalm, kind of recounting the past, thanking the Lord for being a rescuer, with, with phrases like this, the cords of death entangled me. I had anguish. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. And there's the but God here. I was in anguish. I was grieving. I was distressed. I was sorrowful. But then... I called on the name of the Lord. I cried out to God, Lord, save me. And as you keep reading this testimony in Psalm 116, God does. God hears and God does. I wish I could tell you that there is like a way to conquer grief and death in your life. I don't, don't think there is. At least, at least not until Jesus comes back. I think the only way that you could really remove yourself from grief would be to become a sociopath. Nobody wants to do that? Okay, good. Um, or, or maybe you could reject all of the love that anyone's ever shown you and not love anyone yourself. But that would just be putting up walls, right? Because you were created to love and to be loved. You'd have to reject all that God created you to be in every fiber of your being to permanently avoid grief, which means you're just not going to do it. The truth is that grief is an inevitable and inescapable reality for Christians living in a broken world. And I would argue it's inescapable for everyone living in a broken world. Because we've tasted and we've seen that God's love is good and that God's heart for us is strong and it's powerful. We've tasted and we've seen that, yet we experience something that's not that. And because we are called to also love unconditionally as followers of Jesus, which means we're going to get burned sometimes. And we're going to experience grief uh, when there's love that we give that is not returned or when we are rejected. Therefore, we will both experience grief at the hands of other people, and we will also cause grief when we fail to love unconditionally. Grief is a result of a sinful and broken world. That's the reality. But grief has a role to play. And grief has some other things going for it, which helps inform us how to grieve in a healthy way. First of all, grief is evidence of God. When we experience the pain of loss, every fiber in our being yearns for something more. You know what that tells me? It tells me we were created for something more than grief. We were created for something more than pain and sorrow. 
God created us to experience more than sin and more than the symptoms of sin and more than the symptoms of a broken world. We were created to experience life. Our very ability to grieve points to our ability to love Jesus. It points to our ability to love as Christ has loved us and to want to experience that love and that wholeness from other people in our lives speaking into us. One of my favorite songwriters is a guy named John Foreman. He's the lead singer for Switchfoot. But uh, he, uh, he says this. The sh- he writes a song and the lyric is this. The shadow proves the sunshine. If there's a shadow, that means there's a light source. And a lot of times in our grief, we get stuck staring at the shadow, at the darkness, but there is still a light source casting that shadow. And that's what he meant by that. Our grief is the shadow that points to the light source. And we don't want to forget that light source, no matter how deep our suffering is. I also think that grief is inseparable from the gospel. The gospel is not that God fixes everything at an arm's length. Rather, Jesus stepped into the grief personally, very, in a very real, in a very human way. He experienced the grief himself to the point of death. The grief of sin, the grief that God experiences as a result of our sin was not a grief that God ran away from. It's a grief that he stepped into to bring a resolution to. God himself steps into the mess to proclaim life in Jesus Christ. And so the grief in the gospel makes the gospel one of hope. God injects the good news and he injects the life, not by escaping it, but by joining into it to be good, to bring good. And God does that for us individually and as a church when we grieve as well. Grief is inseparable from the gospel, and when we experience grief, when we are grieving, we absolutely need the gospel to be injected into our lives so that we can be reminded of that hope. And that leads me to this. Grief grief shows us how tremendously hard it is to live without community. We need community to grieve with. We need a reminder from those in Christ when the darkness clouds our outlook and we just don't see the promises of God. We need that reminder. Hopefully done in a tactful and loving way. We need to experience another person's grief. We need to be willing to step into someone's, like like if there's this circle of pain around me with something I'm going through, we need to be willing to step into that for somebody else and walk alongside of them with sympathy, with empathy. And then guess what? We're going to start to better understand God's heart for us. We cannot grieve alone. We cannot ignore or run from our grief. And we cannot sit idly and let others grieve alone either. One of the biggest blessings of being part of a church community is that we walk alongside one another in these things. Just as God is there with us, we are called to be there with one another as we grieve. And personally, when you're grieving, there may be times where you need to be alone, but that is not a permanent thing. The temptation is to completely remove yourself from the community when you're hurting, especially if the community is one that caused you the grief. But we cannot permanently remove ourselves from the people that God has put in our lives to walk with us in the time of grief. Um, one, there, there's, a, there's a song that's been coming up over and over in my mind um, over the last couple of weeks as I thought about this, and I'm going to sing it for you. Um, and before you think, it, it's not my song, it's a song by uh, 
somebody named Lauren Daigle. And this is a song written from the perspective of God speaking to us, okay? So this isn't me speaking to you. This isn't Lauren Daigle speaking to you, but this is God speaking to us um, from a very, very much a biblical uh, viewpoint, how God views us in the midst of our grief and of our suffering.
the enduring promise of the kingdom of God is the promise that God has proclaimed for us, for his people, for his church, and it's this. Psalm 34, 18 says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And in Revelations 21, 4, we see a picture of all of this pain and suffering being wiped away as Jesus promises that every tear will be wiped from our eyes. So take heart in your grief, whether that is a past grief that you're still dealing with. And, and that's a reality. Uh, yeah, my, my mom died 10 years ago. I still grieve. God pursues you in your grief. God is near you in your pain and in your suffering. And we have the promise that God is working out things to make all things new, to bury death, and to restore us to this true abundant life that he gives us hope to in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not stand by idly as humanity continued to sin, as we continue to turn our back on you, you step into the mess. You step into the darkness. Jesus, we thank you for humbling yourself to come as human, to experience the same pain of loss that we experience, to take on the cost of all of our sins, to, to all of that grief that we know it cost you, Jesus, all of the grief that we know it cost our Heavenly Father. But you did it so we didn't have to stay there. And Lord, wherever we are at this morning, Lord, you are injecting the good news of life, of hope, of salvation in Jesus Christ into the midst of the storm. Lord, I pray that we would accept that with open arms. And Lord, as we look around us and as we see others grieving, Lord, may you call us and lead us and empower us to do the same thing that others have done for us, to speak truth, to remind us of the promises of your hope and of your life, and to remember that this is not the end, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, and that one day every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.